0: see this,
1: darling.
2: Very soon, a monster unlike anything you faced will be released.
0: Well, you keep saying that you're gonna be careful each time and here we go again. You can't keep counting on me to save you. You're what? The monster's friend?
1: For you. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. I'm your host, Peaches. What? It's Peaches. Yeah, Eduardo is uh, Eduardo's a little bit under the weather right now. He's dealing with some stuff. But we're going to continue our watching of your favorite Marvel content uh, regardless. So well wishes to Eduardo. Hope everything gets better for you. But we are here today on a very special and very spooky edition of Assembly Required to talk about the latest Disney Plus special, Werewolf by Night. And today we've got Chris and Robbie to talk about Werewolf by Night. What's up, y'all?
0: I am so excited to talk about this one. (laughs) Yeah, same here.
1: I don't know how I went to what's up, y'all. I think we were talking about
0: Texas earlier and-
1: What's
2: up, y'all? That's what I like about
1: about Dairy Queen in
0: Texas. Peek behind the curtain. Uh, We just finished recording our Patreon bonus episode like 10 minutes ago.
1: We have been intentionally not saying what that episode is going to be about. I think at this point we're probably safe to reveal because if you're not a patron at the hero level or above, sadly you will not be able to hear that podcast. I think it might be something you want to hear. Yeah. If you uh if you follow the in jokes of the Assembly Required Crew, you may have heard us talking about Michigan Chillers. <laughs> in several episodes, uh so our bonus episode for the month of October, we <laughs> talked about Michigan Chillers.
0: Yeah, we the three of us each read a Michigan Chillers book, the uh youth horror series, you know, for like fourth graders that is set entirely in <laughs> cities in Michigan. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It was a fun time and reading the books was fun and if you want to if you want to give it a listen patreoncom required. you can join at three levels of patreon ship patronage pay Patronus C. It, w- it will be released and at the end of this week. At the end of this week, Friday. Yeah, we d- we're doing our bonus episodes at the last Friday of every month. I believe was our bonus yeah, that's episode our, schedule. That's our schedule there. And if you've if you've patronaged at the hero or Avenger level, you will be able to listen to our sweet, sweet voices an additional time every month. Thank you for that support. But today is a free for all. Everybody gets this prime peak content of Werewolf by Night with the three of us. Uh, so today we'll discuss that. It's a the official title, a Marvel Studios special presentation on Disney+, Plus, written by Heather Quinn and Peter Cameron and directed by Michael
2: Giacchino. Yeah. I thought that was like a mistake when I saw that credit. Surely and this then, is
0: orchestra yeah. directed yeah, yeah, by. I saw, no. it, I saw
2: it on the credits. I'm like, oh, I must have misread that. It must have been composed by. Yeah. Very interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's direct. I, he's directed a couple things before. I think the only other thing is like a Star Trek short film. Like an official, like a Star Trek short treks, like an episode of that, hmm. uh, which I believe is on uh, Paramount Plus or something.
2: We're all... I don't know if we know this, the three of us are like three degrees of separation from Michael Giacchino. We all used to work with someone whose sister is good friends with him, like to the point that oh, this, really? was in her sister's wedding. Wow.
1: So, we're going to need yeah. to discuss this further briefly yeah. after yeah. we're done yeah. recording. Yeah. I have, I have an interesting cool.
0: connection that I will bring up, actually relevant in the episode later. So, What? Yeah. This
1: is full of s- spooky surprises. Did you guys know much about Werewolf by Night before this? Nope. I mean, the the one mention that we've had of him in the MCU was in the Moon Knight uh, episode, and it wasn't even a mention. It was just, if you found one of the QR codes that was hidden in the show, there was a comic where he had a
0: confrontation
1: with Werewolf by Night. Yeah,
0: because Moon Knight debuted in an issue of Werewolf by Night. Okay. Now, I believe, by the way, that the character is not called Werewolf by Night. The character is just the werewolf. Oh, okay. The book series is Werewolf by Night. That is my understanding as well.
1: I know it's not necessarily redundant, but that title seems a little bit redundant. Yeah. Because that is when-
0: That's what horror comics just used to be It's named. also not
2: every night. It's just some nights. Yeah. yeah. Werewolf
0: yeah. by one night per month.
2: <laughs>
1: I want that title. All right. So our summary today is from, you know him, you'll love him, Robbie. And a heaping dose of help from the Disney yes. wiki. <laughs> heaping is a word that I like to say on a podcast. Our story is told in stylish black and white, and we're told of the Bloodstone family who have been using fighting monsters for years using the powerful weapon, the Bloodstone, which is the only item, at least at this point in the story, which is seen in color.
0: Uh, a couple of things. First of all, that was just a cool stylish choice to have the, the Bloodstone in color. Uh, And that's actually not too out of line with how a lot of black and white movies were made. Yes. Now the most famous one. Wait, you you mean like one
1: thing would be in color?
0: They used to tint the uh, the film different colors for different uh, scenes. Mm -hmm. And I looked it up, and I could not find a definitive answer on this. But a lot of people know, and obviously this is a modern movie made in the days of color. But if you've ever seen Schindler's List, which is a movie from. The 90s, but it was filmed in black and white. Yeah, yeah. There is a f- very famous scene where there is one girl who is wearing a red coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my understanding that they were doing stuff like that as far back as the 20s. Interesting. I believe in, a, and and we've lost a lot of this to time, but. Time? There were at least a couple scenes in the 1925 film Phantom of the Opera where, where Lon Chaney plays the phantom. Where there were elements of color in that, mm-hmm. hmm. so it wasn't as you know perfectly done as this was, but it is of a piece with mm-hmm. that. And Phantom of the Opera, of course, one of the universal monster films that was a huge inspiration for this mm-hmm. this presentation.
2: Yeah, while we're at it, aesthetically, this is amazing. This show, this this one off, like it. oh my goodness, the way it just captures, you know, fifties monster film style was just absolutely incredible. Uh, I also really really loved the spooky Halloween uh Marvel Studios opening. Oh yeah. Like, that was great. Mm-hmm. Like this just is um stunning. And it's not it's been done like this felt like kind of like watching Ed Wood or watching some other like movies that are supposed to feel like old movies. Uh but that doesn't mean it's not great. It was very very well done. My it's personal
1: gorgeous. canon for that by the way is that Marvel Studios knows about our podcast, and they know that we change occasionally the <laughs> the opening of the the recording. And they were like, "Ooh, assembly required!" Does that we should do it for Werewolf by Night? Yeah, <laughs> I, I heard that one with the the um, the hundredth episode special where they all quoted themselves <laughs> yeah. in the intro.
0: <laughs> Let's do that. I also want to say that. When they're showing the old art of the Bloodstone family, Ulysses Bloodstone is dressed like Simon Belmont, and I found that very. Oh, I didn't uh, even notice. I don't know. I don't know if that was. A, I think that's just pulling from the same archetype as Castlevania was, but yes. it still is like, oh, he looks like uh, Simon Belmont there.
1: Now, did you guys? I have. I have a, not really related to this question. Uh, I mean, it's tangentially, of course. Did you guys grow up thinking that like? Black and white stuff was boring. I, I like as a kid, if a show was in black and white, I immediately had no interest in it. There was I'd- something about things being in color that I would watch them, but. Like, I don't know, I Love Lucy would be on in the background, other things in black and white, because I don't remember a lot of the titles, and I immediately
0: had no interest in watching them.
2: I did not, but my wife feels that way, and I've never been able to understand it.
1: I
0: don't get it either. Yeah, I I don't think I ever had that issue. If I did, I definitely got over it at some point. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, something about anything in black and white, I just... Immediately was uninterested, and I must have grown out of that at some point because I had no issue watching Werewolf mm-hmm. by Night, and I liked the black and white uh, issue uh, episodes of WandaVision. Um, I've not gone back and watched anything in black and white, but
2: now what I don't I know w- why it bothered me. What I will say is, you know, I grew up on Nick at Night, and I grew up on, and back then Nick at Night was not friends. I grew up on, <laughs> on Nick at Night, and I grew up on old movies, so I definitely did not think black and white is automatically boring. However, one thing I did think is color uh, from an aesthetic standpoint color is is strictly superior and sure it was not until i was an adult that i that i started to get that you know black and white in and of itself can be you know beautiful and important and aesthetically pleasing
0: and that's why i am personally not in favor of colorizing black and white stuff because yes. it even if it black and white was yes if it was some movies, they made the choice to film in black and white, like Psycho. Color was already around. They made the choice to do that black and white. That's one thing. But even the older movies where color was not an option, it was filmed with black and white in mind. That is something they yes. had to think about. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I saw the colorized Casablanca and No. Uh, there are some scenes that are very good, but as a whole, no.
1: More than anything, I just think it's kind of interesting to see, like, if it had been in color, what would it have looked like? But I don't need to see the whole movie. Like, I i think it's uh, White Christmas. Maybe not. Oh, yeah. Is that a movie that wasn't black and white and then they colorized? I believe so. Yeah. Because that colorization looks terrible. <laughs> it's, like, almost too vibrant. A lot
0: of colorization yes. looks bad. Yes. Yeah. The
1: anyway, that's just a thing I wondered if we had in common. I don't know why... I grew up with my brain wired that way, but it is what it is. Patriarch Ulysses Bloodstone, sadly, maybe not sadly, has died, and so our setting is at his funeral. First to arrive is Jack Russell.
0: (laughs) By the way, I think I've learned... I just
1: can't say it without laughing. Because
0: I I listened to a friend of the show, Arnaldo. um, The Films on the Phantom Zone did a review of this as well, and the writer who created Jack Russell swears he was not going for a dog pun. Right. It just accidentally it just happened. So, it works so well. It, it's like that's got to be a you're, like, you're you're a damned liar.
1: <laughs> I mean, puns can be unintended, but when you're that's coming true. up with a superhero name, you had time to change that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that was a lie. Uh Jack Russell arrives at Bloodstone Temple for a challenge among monster hunters to gain possession of the Bloodstone. And then we meet some of the other fellow hunters: uh, Leon, A- Azarel, Barrasso, and Joshua Jovan. Hashua Hovan.
0: He's the Scottish one.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, um, that makes sense. Azarel, Azrael, is the, Azarel is the the tall in the white. Yeah, right? the David Bowie looking one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other two, like I only know that one's name because of the subtitles. I think at some point.
2: I know their names because of the wiki.
1: That makes sense. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did you all uh, you all aware of the uh, interesting Easter egg when uh, he walks into the uh, Bloodstone Manor? There's art on the walls. Is there, of like, like heads various and various mo- No, before even before that, in the hallway, where the there's the old art of the monsters on the wall with the Latin writing. Mm-mm. One of the uh, monsters it's getting attacked. Like in in the it's a picture of old like soldiers uh, hitting. A creature with an axe in the head. It's got its head whipped back, and there are like two tentacles coming off of its head. That is comics Gore the God Butcher. Oh, it is quite literally a recreation of an actual comics panel of Thor hitting Gore in the back of the head. Um, But it's like go for the head. It's the comics accurate version of Gore, not the one that we will be talking about in our next episode. Interesting. That was an interesting. uh, That's pretty cool.
1: Later, Ulysses daughter Ulysses' Ulysses' daughter, Elsa Bloodstone, arrives and her mother Verusa condescends her for not continuing the monster hunting tradition. Not, not that it necessarily
0: lady. matters, but stepmother. Stepmother,
1: okay. Yeah. Stepmother Verusa. Also, you guys, whatever points that you have written down in here is feel free to interrupt me because yeah. I don't know if I don't know if you interrupted inside of the <laughs> The writing here. I didn't. Okay, so yeah, feel free to just do that. The corpse turned puppet for Ulysses Bloodstone. That was creepy as fuck. You I guys ever watched I'd Dead d- Silence?
2: This killed me. The, the, the corpse so puppet good. just absolutely killed me.
1: Like that it existed or that it was making it was, jokes? It was
2: just presented so, and I'm squeamish, but I guess <laughs> that it was black and white. No, it was just presented so hilariously, like with a little wind up
1: thing. Have you seen Dead Silence? no have you seen it i have not no it is uh it's a horror movie from like i think 2007 or something and the premise it's actually like for a while it was one of my favorites because it was so adequately creepy the premise is that the ghost of some like dead ventriloquist was haunting you and as long as you didn't scream she couldn't kill you but if you made any noise when she interacted with you she would murder you but the uh the ventriloquist thing comes into play because she ends up turning characters into puppets, like human puppets. Uh, So that's kind of the vibe that I had here. Um, Corpse-turned-puppet Ulysses Bloodstone explains that the others would have to defeat a monster in order to obtain the Bloodstone. The Bloodstone will be attached to the monster, which will also weaken it. Barrasso claims that Elso doesn't belong here but Verusa explains that she will have no special treatment. So Barrasso must be the first one that she fights that like has the like hand oh, the, crossbow thing. Yeah. Okay. So that that must be Barrasso, because I'm sure he I, I remember him being the condescending one.
0: Uh, according no, did to I remember this, it wrong? Barrasso dies in the fight at the end. Oh, so. okay. So I'm
1: thinking of the uh, the wrong guy. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think Barrasso might be discount uh blade.
1: Yes. Oh, okay, okay. The challenge commences in a large outdoor maze. It's funny that the one guy looks like David Bowie and then they go into a labyrinth.
0: Um, I would like to point out, by the (laughs) way, when they they lead Jack into this maze, they have the flaming tuba, which is Mm -hmm. the greatest thing ever. (laughs) The person playing that tuba is David Silverman, uh, who is best known as an animator who has directed several episodes of The Simpsons, including The Simpsons movie. Oh, that's cool. Oh. He also plays a flaming tuba. He's friends with Michael Giacchino.
1: Wait, he actually plays a that's
0: flaming a tuba? That's a thing he does. Interesting. He's, uh, I believe, <laughs> at Tubatron on Twitter. Um, and he's played his flaming tuba at things. But he's still like a, a Simpsons director. Um, he animated all of the original Tracy Ullman Simpsons shorts. Oh, so he's an OG. Yeah, Got he's it. an he's as OG as it gets, basically, outside of Matt Groening. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and he was the director of the movie. What do flames
1: add to the sound of a tuba, you think?
0: Nothing, but that adds a ton to the aesthetic.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> flaming tuba, flaming mo, it all kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does.
2: As a side note, the best way I can age myself is pointing out that I am old enough to remember watching the Tracy Ullman show in the hopes there was a Simpsons clip.
0: There
1: we go. And I can age myself by saying, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. (laughs) (sighs) Russell and Elsa encounter one another, but they don't fight. Elsa ends up in a brutal, violent fight with Leorn, which ends up in her killing him, and then they hide from Jovan.
0: Yeah, so um, here's my other weird bit of actor trivia. Uh, Jovan was played by Kirk Thatcher, um, and that was a name I recognized. And here's why I recognized it. Kirk Thatcher was the writer and director of last year's big Disney plus Halloween special Muppets haunted Mansion
2: Wow the greatest piece of fiction ever created <laughs> it's
0: it's so good I still haven't seen it uh, oh yeah you know. so good know, it's, it's worth know. checking out I it's messed up one of my favorite Muppet things in years
1: it was on in my in the living room of the place I lived in twice because my roommate watched it and then he watched it again with someone else and I still I, didn't, it, I was not the someone else. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Muppets on Mansion is, is a lot of fun. Um, Kirk Thatcher has a long association with the Muppets as a writer and director. He's uh, been with them for uh, you know, a very long time. Uh, he's most known as an actor as Punk on a Bus in Star Trek IV. Uh, <laughs> there is a scene in Star Trek IV, that's the one where they go back in time, uh, where he's he's a punk, and he's listening I know to music this. very loudly. He's on a bus. Yeah. And uh, Captain Kirk asks him to turn it down, and he refuses to turn it down. He turns it up, in fact. So <laughs> Mr. Spock stands up and uh, does the Vulcan nerve pinch, which knocks him out, and he falls forward, and it turns the music off, and everyone on the bus claps.
2: And then huh, he got brought back for a similar character in like something else. He reprised like Captain... his
0: role in Picard, I believe. Okay,
2: got it. I think he was also <laughs> on the bus
0: somehow which is weird because he's a ni- he, he I think he was
2: in Captain Marvel too. on I think oh, I he? might be imagining that on the bus I might be imagining. oh that.
0: that's funny I'll, lo- I'll look
2: we, can that keep up.
1: Going, we, we keep going that is funny uh Jack Russell makes his way to the monster he's looking for the giant sized man thing <laughs> Russell is oh, glad to
0: see his friend Thank you for fitting that in there
1: and plans on helping him ex- escape, which was his reason for attending.
2: So this is where I'm going to talk because, yeah, yeah. oh my God, and I knew, and we've talked about this off the podcast. I knew that Giant Size Man Thing was going to be in this. So I was excited. Seeing him was so cool. Um, I wish I did not know he was in this because it would have been a really cool reveal. First off, it's great that Giant Size Man Thing is now a part of the MCU. <laughs> also, it's he looks fantastic. They did him with stop motion instead of CG. Um, really?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. It's some CG. They actually it wasn't stop motion. They built a light a life size top half animatronic suit.
2: Huh. Like Jurassic Park.
0: <laughs> yeah. So like, there was a guy on set who was wearing this thing around, and it. My understanding is that it was animatronic, so it had some animation. I believe they did go in and enhance some of it with CGI. Like I do Jurassic not. Park. I do not know where the CGI starts and the animatronic ends, and vice versa.
1: Probably around the time when he puts his hand on someone and they ex- they burn. Oh yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, that, that, there's a lot of that, <laughs> but I mean, like for the
0: face facial stuff. Oh okay, yeah. Uh, I watching it, the final scene in color. It looked like it was an animatronic. But that very well could just be them animating it to look like an animatronic. Mm -hmm. Sure. Just like how some people will show a clip of Baby Yoda and be like, see, this is why you should use puppets. And it turns out, wait, this scene is actually entirely computer animated because they are matching the style of the physical (laughs) prop. Right. (laughs) Which
2: is a lesson we learned from, like I just said, Jurassic Park. And it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that all these years later, we kind of forget like why Jurassic Park works, but that's fine. Mm. It's. It, Jurassic Park had plenty of CG, but what they did was, okay, we're going to make this CG look like this animatronic, and it it works. Also, yeah. we're going to do it in the dark and in the rain. And,
0: it's as long as long as you keep it looking consistent. Right. That, I think that's the important thing. Right.
2: What hurts CG is that they don't have a, like an anchor point that feels yeah. real to start with.
0: It's like how Yoda in the prequels is computer animated and looks very different from Puppet Yoda in mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back and Last Jedi, but... The CGI Grogu looks like the puppet Grogu. Right. Hmm.
2: So, giant-sized man thing for our readers who, um, you know, were wondering what the hell is that. Uh, he was a Marvel character from before a lot of our Marvel heroes. He was created by Stan Lee. Um, he was uh, on in Savage Tales, uh, issue number one. And long story short, um, he was a young biochemist named Ted Salas from Nebraska. I was working in the Everglades um, on just testing some stuff. I don't really know what he was testing. Um, oh, I think it was the Super Soldier Serum, I think. Some human, that that some, some giant-sized things. Yep, Super Soldier Serum. He was trying to create the Super Soldier Serum. Like so and, many Marvel characters. Yes. By the way, he his work was later copied by Kirk Connors in trying to uh, regenerate ah, his arm, and that yeah. went wrong. So... Uh, Basically, his experimentation goes wrong, blah, 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 and he combines with the Everglades to become a swamp monster. Combines with the Everglades. Yeah. <laughs> now, this sounds really familiar, right?
0: Yes. I. I okay. Please go there.
2: But this is very interesting. So, we have Man-Thing, created by the swamp, becomes a swamp monster. We also have, in the DC universe, Swamp-Thing. Swamp-Thing? Created by the swamp, becomes a swamp superhero monster. Um, Swamp-Thing is obviously way more famous, uh, but man thing was first at the same, but roughly at the same time by the same people by coincidence, which Jerry sounds, Conway. yes, sounds absolutely insane. Um, yes, Jerry Conway, this uh,
1: wasn't a copy of the other one.
2: No, no.
0: Well, here's where it gets interesting. This is
2: actually extremely interesting. Okay. I'll shut up. So no, you're good. Um, so Jerry Conway, uh, helped with working on the plot for one of the runs for, um, man thing, uh, also, a writer named uh I think it's Len Wine.
0: Len Wine, yes. Yes,
2: Len Wine also helped work on a run for man thing. Between those runs, Len Wine worked on a run or created Swamp Thing for DC. Even crazier, Wine and Conway were roommates. They were roommates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god,
0: they were roommates. Yes.
2: <laughs> so but a Vine
1: reference talking
2: about Swamp and Man thing. Yeah. Both of them ended up annoyed when they realized, wait a second, what's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> we... <laughs> they contend it was a coincidence probably influenced by being roommates, but they were not actually directly copying each other. Wine was not copying Conway. <laughs> even though we have I and I believe Swamp things from the Everglades too, right?
0: I so, think so. So we yeah. have
2: Swamp thing and Man thing in the competing comic book de- um companies. <laughs> Uh, from roommates created at roughly the same time one who did runs for both of them within a year of of each other and we just kind of let that happen there <laughs>
0: allegedly there was some internal discussion at marvel mm-hmm. about should we take legal action yes. and they decided not to
1: yes interesting uh
2: we figured it was an accident jerry was rooming with len at the time and tried to talk him into changing swamp things origin len didn't see the similarities which is insane but yeah, I, I when you're that close to the project, you probably are really focused on like the details. Like, no, this one's man, not swamp thing. Like, you probably when you're really close to something, those of us <laughs> who are not close to those characters step back and go, it's the same picture. <laughs> 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 so A corporate wants you to spot yes, the difference. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the same picture.
1: I my explanation that I have concocted in the last minute of listening to you describe this is mm-hmm. that they got really really high <laughs> and they talked about it and now they don't remember who brought up what yeah, and yeah. the idea was just burned into their brain because the high versions of themselves yeah. were we're talking about man slash swamp i just hyphen thing
2: i think this is one of the most fascinating things and i will say for most of my life i thought swamp thing was older than uh, 1971 yeah. is when man thing was made 1972 is when swamp thing was made um most of my life I thought Swamp Thing was older and that Man-Thing came from Swamp Thing. But uh, no, it's the other way around, but also apparently by accident. So now they did diverge. Swamp Thing became fairly popular. He got a show that I grew up watching. He had a show and a cartoon. Yeah. He was real popular. And I believe
0: the Swamp Thing show was filmed at Universal Studios Florida. Am yes, I right? correct. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I grew up on the Swamp Thing show and the Swamp Thing
0: cartoon and the Swamp Thing you action You used to figures. be able to visit the set at Universal, mm-hmm. but that is now where the Men in Black ride is. Mm-hmm. And this is
1: completely a blind spot for me. I have no clue what you're talking about. Very, okay.
2: very small portion of time. I'm talking like early nineties, like probably ninety one to ninety three was the Swamp Thing oh. sweep spot. Yeah. But okay. There was a live action show in primetime. There was a cartoon on Saturday mornings. There was a series of of action figures that I had all of and they were pretty cool. Um so yeah, that's so but Swamp Thing was, is more like an eco superhero. Yeah um man thing is a monster who has had his own runs but is mostly used as like you know honestly the way it is here swamp thing is used as someone to be at a monster to be added to a one shot or that sort of thing Um,
0: a a couple fun things mm -hmm. about man thing Mm -hmm. first of all we've talked about giant sized man thing man thing that is the name of a an extra long comic book starring man thing Mm -hmm. And Ah. it's a meme because giant-sized Man-Thing is a hilarious phrase. (laughs) Um, um, Man-Thing in the comics, first of all, uh, he lives near the nexus of all realities, which we have talked about before. Yeah. uh, Which means that he is closely associated with Howard the Duck. Hey. Um, (laughs) Man-Thing also had a love interest uh, when he was Ted Salas named Ellen Brandt. You might remember her as a character from Iron Man 3. She's one of the extre- uh, the women who's had extremists. Uh, she's the one who lost her arm in battle mm-hmm. uh, before oh. she got the extremis. The one
2: that gets blown into the, uh, into the high the wire. Oh, she fights
0: Tony at the bar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Um, Man-Thing has also been referenced in the MCU before. First of all, on Sakaar, there are uh, heads of champions on the building. They're building yes. the Hulk's face. Man-Thing's face is on there. Oh, yeah. Robbie. I think Robbie
1: mentioned that last recording. I, I think I mentioned Beta Ray Bill, but we did talk about this last recording. Oh, morning. Yeah. okay.
0: Man-Thing was also mentioned in an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. Um, yes. And it's, and it was after Winter Soldier. Maria Hill's walking down the street. She's on the phone with Pepper, and she's discussing what all the inquiries are like since all the shield data has been dubbed and she's like, Oh, it's mm-hmm. the same kind of questions. And one of the questions she says she was asked is who or what is a man thing?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so yeah, man thing is kind of a go go to monster. He's not a hero, but he is sentient and comes from a good place. He can feel emotion and empathize with it. So he kinda like almost sort of like accidentally saves the day, that sort of stuff. Yeah, he's not a bad guy. Yes. Um but not but definitely more monster than man. And
1: he cannot change back at this point, right? Correct, he correct, is correct. not Ted um, really anymore. He
2: has the ability to create uh, chemical burns by touching people who are afraid of him. Whoever
0: knows fear burns at the touch of yes, so man thing. <laughs> so so that the the
2: burning thing is is man things thing. Huh. Um <laughs> one of my favorite man thing moments was actually during the superhero Rest- registration act when two dudes had to go into the uh into the swamp to tell man thing that he had to register as a superpowered individual um and he just takes their little piece of paper and just stares at it as they're terrified and confused and don't know how to handle it um <laughs> does he sign? i think he i think he turns it into a like i think he does something he burns it or turns it into flowers or something but oh, it's just a hilarious like scene um so yeah, that's man thing. Uh, also, while we're at it, we're introducing the bloodstones to the MCU. Yeah, Ulysses Bloodstone was a sort of a B or maybe even C-list uh, Marvel hero from also kind of this time a a, a monster hunter who had a uh, a bloodstone embedded in his chest that gave him superhuman abilities and and uh, the ability to suss out monsters and heal himself. And in two thousand, they kind of gave his whole power set to his daughter Elsa Um, and she's been kind of a B list Marvel hero since then she shows up in the video games sometimes Um, kind of a simple there's not that much to talk about she's just she has superpowers and hunts monsters with guns but it's cool yeah it's pretty cool so it's cool seeing them added to the MCU but I was real real excited about Man-Thing
0: I have two more quick Man-Thing things (laughs) one there was a 2005 sci-fi original movie about Man-Thing Yes. I've heard it's very bad. Yes, you just I've said seen
1: sci-fi original movie. So I have yeah. seen
2: clips of it, but I've never watched the whole thing.
0: And the other, th- and I
2: think it was from the time when like people were making Marvel properties just to kind of hold on to the yeah. the rights. Yeah.
0: And the other thing is that in the comics, Man Thing budded, and there was an offspring, a very small version of Man Thing called Boy Thing. <laughs> Boy Thing is now partners with Blade. He rides around on Blade's shoulder and he can provide an infinite supply of wooden stakes for Blade to kill vampires with.
1: That's amazing. (laughs) That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. I fucking... When Blade shows up in the MCU, uh, that is what I want. That's the version I want.
0: I have a lot of things I'll be talking about later. That's
1: like the Mandalorian with a vampire vampire hunter and a little wooden stake factory on his shoulders.
0: Like, how great would that be? I w- desperately want that. I don't want Blade to start that way, but I want him to get there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So, where were we here? Uh, blah, blah, blah. We're going to try to help the giant sized man thing escape, uh, which was Jack Russell's reason for attending. Uh, I thought that
0: was a great twist, by the way, that yes. they were pals. Yes.
1: Azarel uh, well, then finds them. So, Russell runs away into a room and closes the door. Elsa, who was also inside, kind of tending to her wounds from the previous fight, tells him not to close it, but Russell doesn't hear. When he closes the door, they realize they're locked in. Russell reveals his plan to rescue Man-Thing to Elsa. They talk for a while in the room, which is an indoor graveyard. Uh, It's like a mausoleum, right? Yeah. Elsa suddenly remembers that her aunt hid a key in her grave believing she would be resurrected and would need a way out of the room. Elsa finds the key, and they break out.
0: I a uh, couple things I want to say about this scene. Uh, superficial thing, first of all. Um, the names in the mausoleums are inside jokes of the truest sense, in that most of those names are people who are in a D&D campaign with Michael Giacchino. <laughs> that is funny. And here's how I caught that. I recognize one of the names. Brandon Clayla who is a former Imagineer for Disney and then later uh, worked for Universal Creative, uh, who I actually had the opportunity to meet once uh, because he was the lead Imagineer for Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar in, at Disneyland and Trader Sam's Grog Grotto at uh, Polynesian Village Resort at Disney World. Huh. Uh, so he, um, his thing is kind of... He's... Uh, not just a set decorator, but that's, like, a lot of the skills that he uses. Like, he's great at finding or manufacturing props uh, to, like, flesh out worlds. Uh, and, yeah, they play a D&D game together, and his name is on one of the... I was like, huh, why... Oh, right, I, I remembered seeing on Instagram that they were in a game together. That's uh, crazy. So, that, so that Michael Giacchino did confirm that, yeah, all those people um, on those names are people that are part of his D&D campaign.
1: D&D and Elsa's... Great aunt.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing about the scene that I want to uh, just briefly touch on is they have a very interesting conversation there where they're talking about their families. You know, Elsa clearly doesn't have a lot of love for her family. Mm-hmm. And it is heavily implied throughout this episode that, or this episode, this special, that Jack has a complicated relationship with his family and his ancestors as well and i really hope that we get to explore that in future stuff because i think it's very interesting it's it's enough for this that we don't go into it i think it's just some good flavor yeah um but it is a story that i hope we get to hear someday
1: i think i saw i think i remember seeing a tiktok from sir superhero where he is explaining that character and that the version of jack russell that we got in this special is a combination of two werewolf by night characters. It's like Jack Russell and some other person that ends up being the werewolf it's and like Jake Gomez or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And one of them is more of like a like a tribe of werewolves. Like a thing. skidwalker kind of Yeah. And the other one's the original character. So maybe maybe it will come into play. Um Yeah. Uh, let's see. Russell reveals his plan. They're in the mausoleum. So their plan is that Elsa is going to go free Man-Thing while Russell blows a hole in the wall with an explosive so that Man-Thing can escape. Russell tells Elsa to call Man-Thing Ted <laughs> so he trusts
0: her. And I love how that plays like a joke, <laughs> but it actually, that's his backstory. He's yeah, dead.
1: Yeah, his name is Ted. <laughs> Be cool about it, man. Elsa makes it to Man-Thing and finds Jovan as well. Man-Thing incinerates Jovan, which was really fucking cool, but trusts Elsa when she explains she's with Russell. Russell is able to blow a hole in the wall, barely, (laughs) and Man-Thing charges through the wall, escaping, but not before Elsa gets the bloodstone out from his back. Russell reaches for the bloodstone, which throws him back and incapacitates him. Surprise! Surprise! Verusa Verusa arrives and realizes Russell is a monster as well. She locks up Russell and Elsa for helping a monster, despite her not knowing who or what he was. Russell then wakes up in a cage and apologizes to Elsa, who is with him. Russell explains that he's a werewolf, but the next full moon is in five days. However, Elsa tells him the Bloodstone can turn him into a werewolf, where he'll become uncontrollable. This part was, like, it made sense to me, but it's kind of weird. Russell profusely (laughs) smells Elsa (laughs) and explains that hopefully he will remember her in his werewolf form. I guess if you're in a situation where you're monster hunting and a dude just starts sniffing you like that, it's not that weird. Yeah. (laughs) But from, like, the outside perspective, it's like, huh, that was a strange thing that I just witnessed. Verusa then walks in and uses the Bloodstone and a Latin spell to turn him into a werewolf so he could kill Elsa. And in all caps, I need to say, Chris, talk about this. All right, I just kind of oh. wanted... Oh
2: Well, I want to say, Go ahead. clearly, <laughs> Disney Plus, everything has to transform off screen, but uh, you talk about your thing. I
0: actually want to talk about that, too. Oh. I loved that, and because that transformation, the way it happened, th- this was a deliberate choice by Giacchino, mm-hmm. not just because of the uh, uh, the budget but also he wanted to do as much in camera as possible uh, as opposed to you know doing it all in post-production right so by showing the transformation by creating an animation and projecting it on the wall behind her and filming that i just thought that was a really clever way to do that where they didn't need to go in and add it in later it's all happening in camera uh, and it's just a really cool style and that's kind of what i want to talk about now I have gone on ad nauseum about how excited I am that Marvel is expanding their stylistic toolbox with WandaVision and then She-Hulk and now this. Um, I am still waiting for the inevitable Marvel musical. It's got to <laughs> happen at this point.
1: You got one. It was at the uh, end of Hawkeye.
0: Yeah, I, I want a full <laughs> on musical. Oh, okay. but uh, Spider-Man on Broadway. Uh, don't get me started on that because <laughs> I will go on forever. Uh, okay. Um, uh, But just doing this in black and white as an homage to the 1930s through 50s Universal Monsters and uh, a little bit of Hammer Horror thrown in as well. Uh, Like, I think the gore kind of comes from the Hammer Horror movies. But the Universal Classic Monsters movies, which I've been watching a lot of in preparation for this, are just so much fun that they did that. Uh, They could have easily said no that's a weird choice uh we're not going to do this in black and white but Jacquito had been filming in color but hoping to do it in black and white so the story goes that he showed Kevin Feige a cut of what he was working on uh, in black and white and when he finished watching Feige turns to him and says we got to do this in black and white don't we uh, so they I love that they went with it uh, Contrast that with Rob Zombie's Monsters movie that just came out on Netflix. Yeah. He wanted to do that in black and white, and Universal said no. Interesting. Yeah.
1: That would have been a fitting thing to be in
0: black and white. It would have been perfect to be in black and white.
1: Yeah. I think the uh, off-screen transformation, too, also adds to the, like what looks like the period yeah. of yeah. filming something in black and white
2: yeah for the record i actually really did like it i thought it was a good choice yeah i was just laughing but at it is, it it she is funny yeah the one thing i did not like i understand the choice but i didn't like it is there was a the moment where he transforms and attacks veruca was a little bit hard like it was just a bit too much of i don't know what's happening here i can't see it yeah um but that's a that's a nitpick on a very small moment of how things were shot
0: I, I liked how this kind of felt timeless. Too. Like It felt yes, like it could have been agreed. taking place in the 30s. I agree. Yeah. Until the end when they start talking about sushi <laughs> and you realize, oh, yeah, this is happening today. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun.
1: People ate sushi in the 50s, I bet.
0: Uh, in Japan. Oh, sure. But I also want to talk about how much I love that Marvel is expanding into the supernatural corner of the universe. We talked about this, I think, a little bit on a couple things before. But, man, Wouldn't the potential... I mean? that we're getting these supernatural na- characters like wer- the werewolf yes. and man thing we know blade is coming i want a midnight suns movie i want anything midnight suns really the midnight suns if you don't know
1: i thought something midnight suns was announced well, there's a video game oh out. a video game yeah yeah although yeah,
0: yeah. they spell it differently it's suns s o n s in yeah. the in the uh comics that
1: makes it sound more like a biker gang
0: and it, yeah it's it's well ghost, ghost riders part of it right yeah. so so there've been varying lineups of the midnight suns Uh, in the Marvel Comics universe, Uh, but they're usually supernatural characters. So Doctor Strange, Wong have both been involved. Man-Thing has been a part of it. Jack Russell has been a part of it. Multiple versions of Ghost Rider, Blade, Black Knight, all characters that we know we're getting or have gotten in some capacity before. And I just think a Midnight Suns movie would be so much fun. I really want to see a supernatural team out there. I I just think there's a lot of potential there. It could be great. Hmm. And uh, Feige has hinted that the werewolf, Jack Russell... Oh, Elsa Bloodstone has been part of it as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, he's hinted that these characters are going to be important going forward. Even to the point where Jack Russell uh, is of the concept art for the new Avengers ride that's going to be opening at Disneyland.
1: That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. That is cool.
0: Huh. And the night that the uh, the special premiered, uh, he was appearing... In the park as well as a as a character.
1: That's really fun, also. Good good timing.
0: But yeah, I just again I I love that the MCU is expanding in these different directions. There's room for these street level characters like Spider Man, which by the way, Kirk Thatcher, uh, punk rock guy, Spider Man Homecoming. Uh, <laughs> but you've got your your street level guys. You've got your Avengers. You've got your um, you know your supernatural stuff now. Your your sorcerers. Your vampires. Monsters exist. Uh, we're getting Namor soon. You know, there's just so many cool different things going on in the MCU and that's I want a broad MCU with all these different things. Well, there's room for all these kinds of stories, all these genres um uh, that can commingle as necessary.
1: You don't want another you don't think everything every single thing should just be another Tony and Steve story?
0: I guess not. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> the toxic fan people of the Marvel base disagree with you we're not we're not those people nope uh, okay where to Varusa taunts Russell through the cage but he grabs her she screams but is saved when her guards attack Russell creating a lot of smoke with their shock sticks <laughs> uh, the guards back off only to find that Russell has escaped by bending the bars in the smoke what a strong what a strong man wolf Russell goes on a rampage, viciously killing the guards with some great lighting effects, while Elsa escapes and kills Barrasso and Azaril. I keep saying that name differently. I keep wanting to say Azazel.
0: That's someone else. I know, that's, <laughs> and it's,
1: it's like throwing me off. Russell goes after Verusa, but Verusa is able to use the bloodstone to keep him at bay. Elsa uses a grappling hook, if you can cook, I got a grappling hook, to get the bloodstone away from her mother. Her mother-in-law, her stepmother. There it is. Before she approaches Russell, hoping he will recognize her, Russell jumps on top of Elsa, but does, in fact, recognize her. All that smelling, yeah, really, really paid off. Paid off. Mm-hmm. He calms down and runs away.
0: I want to talk real quick. That hallway fight scene. Yes, that was great. I didn't great. really know how cool. to call
2: this out in the notes, but yes, like that. That cinematography with the light showing going away as the door closed. Man,
0: and the slow kind of push in as it's happening the blood actually splattering the yes. camera that was just a great choreography just shot very interesting um, who knew that the composer could direct so well like right. that's awesome
1: am i allowed to say it gave daredevil vibes
0: uh, no you can absolutely okay. i mean anytime you have a fight in a hallway people are going to think of daredevil yeah um, but this was like a horror version of that and yes. i thought it was awesome um i would i hope i mean I don't want Michael Giacchino to stop composing stuff and I think he's going to, you know, John Carpenter and compose anything he directs. Um uh, mm. but I I'd love to see him, you know, direct some more stuff. Um uh, some people have suggested, "Hey, you know, Blade needs a director now." Uh, I don't know if I That's what think happened that to the Blade, Blade director? Um apparently there's been some script trouble plus some scheduling trouble and I don't know and um huh. uh, Ali actually has He's a, a producer on that, so he has a lot of say. Oh. So if he doesn't like it, it's not going to happen. Gotcha. Uh, so they are currently putting that one on pause. They delayed it. The rumor is that they're going to rewrite the script. Oh no! And they're bringing in a new director.
1: They can't delay Blade unless what they're doing is adding Boy Thing. I hope. I hope that's, that's his why sidekick.
0: They, yeah, Marshall is like, I just found out about Boy Thing. Why? <laughs> why is he not in this movie? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Uh, But yeah, I'd love to see Giacchino uh, direct some more, especially more in the, I mean, I'm sure he has a lot of, uh, you know, talent in a lot of other things, but he did so well with this kind of throwback horror. Uh, I'd love to see more of that.
1: Yeah. Veruca then yells at Elsa for letting Russell leave and vows to kill her stepdaughter. Before she can, though, Man-Thing returns and incinerates Verusa. He just grabs her by the head, Mm -hmm. right, and just lights her on fire. Uh, or was that the other guy? Maybe he did it to she both. She does it both. Yeah. Or he does it both. Yeah. Um
2: with the the Scottish dude, it's kind of a push down and incinerate. With her, it was pick her up, shake her in the air, let her burn and then toss her ashen body yeah. on her husband.
1: "Get fucked, idiot." is what Ted probably said. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> Elsa tells man thing that Russell has left and then the monster leaves too. The bloodstone butler vows allegiance to Elsa and she tells him to clean everything up, clean all this shit up. Elsa then sits down in her chair, holding the bloodstone and somewhere over the rainbow starts
2: playing as everything starts to change from black and white to color. I paused my show because of how mind blowingly awesome this. I think this is one of the best and most fitting things the MCU has ever done. Um, I, I, For just in case it's not obvious Somewhere over the rainbow is the song sung in *The Wizard of Oz*, uh, when it transitioned from black and white to color. When she goes to Oz, it's in color. Um, at that point in history, that color was an amazing uh, feat in film. It was a big deal, and she's singing somewhere over the rainbow. So, using it here, first off, it, it was just a like. It's one of those things where it's just a really good needle drop. Like it, it is not obvious and yet also fits with the w- with what they're doing, with the, the the tone of the show, but then also the way it it's just that great callback. We're having this movie that is, or this one shot, this TV television special.
0: Special presentation. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: That in a lot of ways is an homage to old film, and then they end it with the homage to old film, yeah. and having everything slowly transitioned into color with Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It was just an absolute chef's kiss. I think that was one of the great, and now realizing that Joaquino was directing it really makes sense that the, uh, you know, one of the greatest composers in film history thought of a great use of one of the greatest scores in film history for his, yeah. his television special. Um, it, it fits. But, man, it was so, 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 so good. I think it's one of the, the uh, I don't know, most artistic things the MCU has ever pulled off, and I really liked it.
0: It was a lot of fun. Definitely. I liked it a lot. Can I share a fun Wizard of Oz fact? Please. You are allowed this one. So in the in the scene where it transitions from black and white and sepia tone to color, it starts off inside the cabin. Uh, the house has just landed in Oz, and it's black and white inside the house, and she pushes open the door, and everything outside is in color. The way they did that, they painted the inside of the house black and white. Clever. Everything was just literally black and white sepia tone whatever huh and and they just filmed it in color
2: a lot of a lot of what they did in the wizard of oz is really 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 clever filmmaking yeah it reminds me of the clever stuff that was done with theme parks in the 50s and 60s as well huh
1: that is interesting Mm -hmm. sounds like a lot of work too a
2: lot of (laughs) a lot of the wizard of oz is a lot of work yeah
1: huh uh after our main story in the morning russell wakes up in human form in a camp in the woods, which is still in color, and he finds Man Thing playing solitaire. <laughs> he sits with him to drink coffee from a French press, and yeah, then they decide they might go get sushi. So that was that was it. That was Werewolf by Night. How do we think, or how do we hope, maybe that this will affect the future of the MCU? We've already talked already about it. A lot. Yeah, some have already yeah. talked about it. We've yeah.
2: introduced supernatural and. You know, I don't think Man-Thing is going to show up in the next Portal scene, but
1: it's... <laughs> Come it's, on, man, dream like, a little.
2: It's cool just having, <laughs> you know, monsters and Supernatural in the MCU. I like it.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's a good setup for the stuff that's coming, and yeah. I, I, I feel like they keep introducing this kind of stuff at uh at, like, a steady pace mm-hmm. that is hopefully feeling less and less outlandish as time yes. goes on. You obviously can't, like... You couldn't make this happen after Iron Man 2. Yes. that People would be like, so far, these have been realistic. You know the one about the guy that turns into a big raging green guy? Realistic. But this is like, well, we've already had sorcerers. We've already had multiple dimensions. We've got a guy with a fishbowl hat. Well,
2: and what I'll say that's kind of separate from what Chris has said is how this affects the MCU going forward is less in-universe and more out-of-universe. This is our first real MCU television special, it's an MCU seasonal television special. It fits, you know, the holiday Halloween. Yeah, um, that's cool. I would love more of that. I would love more really different stylistic takes, one offs. You know, here's a I've nice... got some
0: good news for you. <laughs> right. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy holiday special coming soon. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I I want to see a lot more of these. That's such a great way to bring it, in. Stuff like this. If
2: I am not mistaken, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is supposed to tie in to the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday overlay for Cosmic Rewind. Interesting. Um. So, which man, I need to go do that when that happens. Um,
1: yeah, I wonder what their songs may change. Oh, too. I don't care; they'll all be great. Yeah.
0: So. Christmas wrapping, please.
1: And they're gonna have to have yeah. ones that maybe fit Peter Quill's uh, yeah, song. Yeah, Grandma got run right?
0: over by a reindeer. <laughs> Uh an Italian <laughs> Christmas donkey. Yeah. I mean, I would ride a roller coaster. I would ride
2: a roller coaster to uh All I Want for Christmas is You. I don't know if that's the same era though. Yeah, that's right. It's not the right era. But can you picture going backwards on that drum beat to start that song? Oh my gosh, that would be so good. Actually, that sounds great.
1: I might wear headphones next time and just start it myself. I'll do it myself.
2: But so I, one-offs, <laughs> seasonal stuff, really creative things that are not necessarily the big movie or an entire series. I'd love to see more of this. Like, this is a great mm. use of the universe.
1: Hmm. I agree. Episode ratings. What did we rate? Werewolf by Night. Robbie, go for it.
2: I am going to go with... Uh, this was great. Um, it's, again, you've got to judge it in the vacuum of it as a one-off thing, but it was just so stylistically delicious. I am going with eight out of 10 spookies. Delicious.
0: Great. I, I loved this. I loved this. It was made for me the way that WandaVision was made for me, I think. (laughs) Uh, So I gave it nine flaming tubas out of 10. Uh, How about you peaches?
1: Uh, I liked this too. I thought it was fun. Um, I I don't know that. I don't know. It's a thing that I'll want to go back and watch a whole bunch, uh, but like, I had fun while well, I don't know how to say it. Like, I sound apathetic to it. I had a good time. Um, I think it was, I, I almost would have wanted it to be a little longer. I, I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about the other hunters and, you know, their backstory seemed kind of interesting. Um, and I wanted to learn more about Elsa and I want to learn a little bit more about Jack, but maybe that's what the future is for. So it's not really a gripe. It's more just a like that. That is my my main criticism, I guess, is that maybe I wanted a little bit more. In the special. So for me, I gave it eight corpse-turned puppets out of ten. Like it. Uh, that have puns in their repertoire. I'll be rotting for you. <laughs> yeah, in their like Very, very
0: Crypt Keeper. I love yes. that.
1: Do we have, uh, is this another episode, like what, two in a row, that we are going to have different MVPs? <laughs> is, there a, is there a discussion here? I mean. Who's your MVP, Robbie.
2: Giant sized man thing.
1: Mine was Ted. I don't think I can disagree with that yeah. because <laughs> he's just so fun. I love him. He's just trying to live his life, and people are—you know—these people are hunting him down, and he just wants to get sushi he and play like solitaire. A nice guy. Yeah. yeah.
0: The f- man thing with a French press. I just <laughs> <laughs> oh, that image.
1: Eduardo played beautiful. bass for Man Thing with a French press. <laughs> Did you know that? He's in a lot of bands.
0: Uh, Okay. (laughs) The most prolific bass player of our time. I know.
1: He's really strapped. I don't know how he gets all of this bass work in. you guys have any recommendations? We'll play the recommendation jingle here. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. What did you guys got this week? I'm going to steal this first one because it's something that I already mentioned, so I'll just recommend it again. If you like horror stuff and not like this kind of horror stuff. If you like like truly scary things, then go watch that movie I recommended earlier, Dead Silence. I kind of already told you what it was about, but it's pretty creepy. When it came out, I think it was close, it was around the same time as the Saw movies started coming out. I'm pretty sure it's 2007 and Saw was like 2005 or something. They're not that far apart. And that's when I started finally accepting that I liked horror. So for me, when I watched Dead Silence, it was pretty it was pretty scary to me, but it didn't like break the threshold that the ring broke when it absolutely ruined me. So I liked it a lot. Um, it's very, very creepy. There's some good jump scares in it. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say this so definitively because I haven't watched it in a long time, so I don't know exactly how it holds up, but I remember liking it, so I'm going to recommend it. Uh, and that is kind of in theme with spooky season and spooky discussion.
2: So I got two quick recommendations. Um, one is if you really <laughs> sports. like sports, yes, <laughs> food. If, if you really, really like um holiday one offs, then definitely I would recommend the Venture Brothers. As the <laughs> Venture Brothers has two holiday specials: a Krampus themed Christmas holiday special. And a zombie-themed Halloween special that is a um, sell,
1: actually. Krampus's yes,
2: both are fantastic. Top tier, um, so definitely watch the Venture Brothers. Um, the other thing I'm going to recommend that you do with your upcoming time over the next, you know, couple weeks or so is you should uh, register if you need to, and then actually go out and vote. Yeah, uh, that's a
0: good recommendation. Yes,
2: voting matters. It is your civic responsibility. And here's the deal: every baby boomer votes. I promise you, uh, pretty much every Gen Xer votes. So if you have any. Uh, disagreement with them, well, no one cares if you don't vote. Uh, so you need to go vote if you want your voice to be heard. Um, I'm not really going to get into it other than the fact that you should vote. It is um, That's the best recommendation yes. if so If you're if your voting is being restricted, totally understood. Other than that, if you're just not voting because you don't feel like it, uh, you are essentially sacrificing any right to complain about not liking the outcome.
1: So, go vote. Also, on top of that, like I know we're asking a lot here, but like, look into the candidates before you vote too. Yes. Don't just go mm-hmm. out there and check boxes. Don't do what one of my friends does when they when they join a fantasy draft and they look at the photos of the player and they pick the hottest one. Mm-hmm. Go research the candidates. Yes, so that you know right. what people you're trying to put in positions of power. Yep. And
2: do your research. And do your research on ballot initiatives and what they mean. Uh, it is an off cycle, so I know that. I know that some of us, we just want to vote when there's a presidential election. But Congress matters, the Senate matters, ballot initiatives matter, governors matter. There are extremely important governor races this year. Uh, so just make sure you're voting. Um, you don't have to vote the same way as me. That's not what I mean. I just mean that you need to participate in civics if you want to have an opinion on civics.
0: Mm-hmm. I have to follow that. Yeah, good <laughs> Good luck. I'm going to... It's October, so for my final spooky recommendation,
1: <laughs> I recommend spooky I voting.
0: Should have gone last. Yeah, I know. I... Vote in a costume. <laughs> Woo-hoo. You should. Um, no, but I I second everything Robbie said. I will I will add if you you know look up your sample ballot as well. Um, yes, yeah, I that's very where, helpful. Where I'm living, uh, you know. Uh, there are some Supreme Court justices uh, in our state that are up for re-election uh, or not re so much as do they get to retain their position. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that you need to research because that's not something where you're like, I'm not saying you should vote party line, but like a lot of times it's easier to just look as well, this person is this party. I align with that. Yeah. You don't get that with the Supreme Court. You need to research that. So, yeah, research. Look up your sample ballot, and know what you're voting for before you get there. So you're not like, uh, hang on, let me Google this person real quick. Um, for my spooky recommendation, though, <laughs> I'm going to recommend the <laughs> Universal Classic Monster movies. Hey. Uh, I watched The Wolfman and uh, Creature for the Black Lagoon, like specifically to get ready for this. I've been watching a lot of them uh, both last year and this year, uh, partially for Halloween Horror Nights prep, as we've talked about. And if you like old movies, uh, they are absolutely worth checking out. They are definitely old movies, so they're paced differently and all of that. But they are very influential, and some of them are really good. Uh, my favorite, personally, is The Bride of Frankenstein. I loved that movie. There is a reason that if you Google like lists of best sequels of all time, that is always high on the list. Hmm. Uh, Frankenstein is worth watching as well. But it's worth watching because then you get to watch Brian of Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, now Frankenstein is good, but Brian of Frankenstein is on another level. It is funny, intentionally so. Like it is actually legitimately funny. Uh it leans into camp in a lot of ways. Um, and it's just very good. Uh Invisible Man is another one that I really enjoyed. Claude Rain's his performance in that. He plays the Invisible Man, the titular Invisible Man. Mm, titular and uh mark hamill has cited that performance as an influence on his joker very obvious when you watch the movie like Hmm. he's laughing and he's like oh you're crazy to know who i am you know he's like like very like he talks like the joker it's great Hmm. Uh, um those are very good wolfman is worth watching just because of what it's done for the genre dracula as well uh yeah, they're great. The problem is they're hard to find because they're not on any streaming services, believe it or not. You can rent them. You can rent them. That's how I watched quite a few. Of the... Yeah,
1: you can rent them for like three bucks on Amazon. Yeah,
0: I actually ended up buying, and I just checked it's out of stock, but I bought a Blu-ray collection. It's a 30-movie co- collection from like the 1920s through the 1950s of all the Universal Monster movies. Um, so it's got all the Dracula movies, all the Frankenstein movies, all the... Invisible Man, Wolfman, Creature of the Black Lagoon, Phantom of the Opera, all of those. And And will I dream again? Including the Abbott and Costello meet whatever monster movies, uh, which is fun that they included those. Um, you know that was one of the first cinematic universes, if you think about it. So, because they would do the mashup movies, the MCU, yeah, the Monster Cinematic <laughs> Universe. <laughs> There's
1: so many MCUs.
0: Another option, by the way, this is what we did for Dracula and the Frankenstein movies, or at least one of them. Uh, we checked those out from our local library. Nerds, fucking nerds. You should get a library card. <laughs> it. Having fun isn't hard when you have a library card, and it is a. <laughs> And it's great. Support your local library. They deserve it, and uh, it is a great way to find some movies that you might not be able to find otherwise. Movies, books, and it even opens up uh, the possibility there are apps that partner with your local library where you can get stuff uh, through the app as well. Uh, you, you, can, you can find out that information when you get your library card, but it's a great it's a great resource, so I, I recommend that as well. Well, I think that about
1: does it for this episode of Assembly Required and MCU Retrospective. Thanks for joining us for our spooky uh, Halloween special episode. And we'll probably have more of these in the future. As as like Chris said earlier, we've got uh, the Guardians holiday special and then, you know, pending TBD in the future for maybe more of these. As always, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash assembly required. Uh, and as another reminder, we also just... Uh, just released slash are getting ready to release our bonus episode for the hero and Avenger level patrons on our Patreon. We talked about Michigan chillers. We said at the beginning, but if you want to hear us (laughs) just ramble on and have a good time talking about those uh, hero and Avengers levels, we'll get to listen to those exclusive podcasts. Avengers level patrons. As always, we thank you, Brian Riley, Adrian, and Michael. Thank you so much for that extra level of support. If you want to email the show, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Do you have thoughts about Werewolf by Night? Did we get something completely wrong? What do you want to tell us about voting? That you're voting? Email us and tell us that you're voting and that you've researched your parties. <laughs> this is the most important takeaway from this episode at this point. It's not not even a joke. You can also find some of us on Twitter, ABCD Eduardo one for Eduardo, Phil Kid three for Robbie. I'm over on Twitch at twitch.tv peaches. If you like games also. And that's that's about it. That's all she wrote. So uh We have a new patron
0: to shout out. We have well. a new
1: patron to shout out. That's oh, true. That's right.
0: Yeah, and I am looking for oh, your name and I apologize. I, I pulled this up. Chip. Chip. Thank you, Chip for uh for joining us.
1: Yes, thank you, Chip. Welcome. Oh, at the hero level! Sorry too. about
0: the lost yeah. Oregon.
1: Look at that. Enjoy, enjoy your, uh, enjoy your, your your new episodes. Yeah, well, that really actually does fully do it for us now. So, as Eduardo would say, we love you three thousand. Bye, everybody. Excelsior! The
2: hunt decides. <laughs>
0: the wind up and the pitch Werewolf? No, werewolf. Were say it.
2: You mean Joe thinks this thing is a werewolf?
0: That's impossible. Werewolf? Paul, you as a werewolf?